Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever is going on everybody and happy halloween it's not halloween but we don't have a show tomorrow so we will cosplay it up today in our halloween costumes i am your host josh harris joining me as always sub-zero how you doing not too bad not too bad i gotta get this off yeah yeah it's just rubber and i can just feel the sweat piling up already (laughs) um no doing good um nice little nine game slate here tonight obviously you don't expect that on a Monday. This is, it's going to be very rare. I mean, we'll have shows on Mondays. There won't be nine games unless it's some sort of special holiday or whatever. So yeah, we'll take it when we can get it. Um, only a couple games tomorrow. So uh, get us, get us going for the week before a little come down tomorrow. Pretty good uh, weekend of puck. Um, how'd you do on Saturday night? I, Told you guys, I accidentally ran two line, two identical lineups that I didn't realize until after the slate locked. Uh, ended up cashing both lineups because I went with Ottawa on the road in Pittsburgh. So, it, I, I like I, I said on Saturday show, it had had a pretty bad start to the season. I don't. I look back and I went. I cashed first one out of the first eight slates, which is not what you want to see. But uh, I'm up to three straight slates cashing now, all main caches. But um, it's at least better to be on the right side of the ledger. Hopefully. Uh, better things coming. How'd you make it? I don't remember. <laughs> it was it was the it was the Ottawa in Pittsburgh slate, and then Vancouver had the late game with the Rangers. Oh yeah, that's right. No, no adoption. One point three fantasy points in twenty six minutes. I didn't cash. Um, Rangers two let me down because Rangers did primarily their work on the power play against Vancouver, which in hindsight makes sense. But you know, can't always win every night. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention um, Greg Ehrenberg's cash on Saturday. Uh, he's our director of DFS. He's also the head of NBA. He uh, Using the new uh, Sims tools, he uh, cashed for $110,000 in NBA the other night. So congrats to him. Awesome cash there. Pretty Pretty cool dude. Very easy to work with. Uh, and excited. It's always fun when you know people who have six figure caches and, uh, congrats to him. Yeah. Um, and I think you were telling me it was the second takedown of the season. His first one was less, but you know, less is only 10 K. So, uh, he's had a pretty good start to the NBA season. So yeah, congrats to him. Hopefully we can get some NHL winners in here tonight because, we are talking before the show, there's actually some decent prize pools tonight considering there's NBA, considering there's NFL, and considering there's MLB. It's uh, all the stars are aligning for all all uh, all four major sports here tonight. But uh, some decent contests. Hopefully uh, 
we get somebody uh, to get their own takedown here tonight with on the ice. Is Greg head of the NBA? He is the head of the NBA now. If he wasn't, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I know he's the director of DFS for Stochastic, so uh, he might. I, I'm pretty sure he's the head of NBA though. Um, if he's not, I'm. He will definitely remind me. And poor, I, I will say, poor, poor Eric Lindquist. He is going to get buried on live before lock today. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I might tune into that, and I know I'm not even playing. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is actually a pretty good nine game slate. There's no McDavid. There's no Matthews. There's no McKinnon. No uh, Jack Hughes. No Jack Hughes, which we have a deal for in a little bit, which we will talk to you about. We'll let more people come in first. But, yeah, the, there, this slate's kind of wide open. There is a fairly obvious chalky spot, which we'll get to, but I don't think there's going to be one where you go, man, like if you fade this team and they go off, you get buried. Hopefully there's multiple uh, – past the victory tonight so let's get into this slate before we do speaking of greg's massive win get access to any stochastic nba dfs package for 20 percent off when signing up with the promo code tip off uh you can get access to our sim tools contest generator and late swap tool build up to 5,000 lineups on stochastic in 60 seconds with our contest generator the base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20 Max package allows you to build up to 500 with unlimited exports. If you are 150 max, I would suggest getting the max package. Otherwise, you are cutting off your nose to spite your face. Make sure to click that link in the description below, or you can use go to stochastic.com and use promo code TIPOFF. Let's get into this slate nine games, first game of the night, the Florida Panthers with a 2.7 total. Heading into Boston, the Bruins have a 3.3 total. Sam Bennett, excuse me, game time decision. I don't know if Paul Maurice said where he's going to slot until he starts in the bottom six, but that's just a guess. He could take E2 loose to Ryan's spot immediately. I don't know. Um, that being said, this is a pretty meh matchup. Like we, <laughs> we made the mistake of trashing Boston last year, B- burned us. Didn't say anything about them this year. They've looked really good to start the season. So I, I kind of like the Boston top line here. They're very expensive. I don't think you need to full stack here. Pasternak is off to an incredible start. Um, Zaka, he kind of came to life a little bit the last game. I don't think you need to full stack. I think you can leave Marshan off. You can leave Zaka off. I think you can two-man. On the... Uh, on the Florida side, it's a bit in- more interesting because they're c- not coming in with a lot of ownership, and they are a very high-volume team. And I also will say, Boston, too, as a filler, kind of interests me. I-, I like Charlie Coyle up in the top six. Not that like he should be a top six center on a contending team, but I think you know on this team, that line is fine. I- I'm interested to get your take on Florida here because they're a pretty high-volume team. They knocked Boston out of the playoffs last year. They're not getting too much ownership. This could be a sneaky GPP spot for them. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if Bennett's in the lineup because Bennett does make a pretty big difference for that second line. Like, um, it was Anton Lundell was skating at the second line center at practice yesterday. Um, they had moved Lusterine and down. That would kind of indicate to me that they're going to give Bennett one more game off. Um just because why would you change up your lines in practice if you're going to have to change up your lines the, ne- the next day anyway? You know what I mean? 
unless Lundell is just a placeholder and he moves down. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, that too. Maybe they want to get Lusterinen back with his his normal players, but then Lundell goes back to the three C, and then Lusterinen goes back to the wing, probably. So yeah, like, I, I, I just, awesome. I it'll be interesting to see if Bennett's back because like the numbers with and without Bennett are much are very drastic. Like I do like Lusterinen. He's I think he's a good player. I'm not sure he can be the second line center alongside Matthew Kachuk, and you know they do have. A much better performance with Bennett. And the other thing is, if Bennett's back, I don't think it'll boot um, Evan Rodriguez off the top power play unit, but they had been running earlier in the season, might have been in the exhibition, they were running Sam Bennett on the top power play instead of of Rodriguez. So Bennett coming back could change a lot for the Florida lineup tonight. Um, So obviously we'll have to see him warm us. We just don't know right now. Um, I would. I don't have any interest in the Florida top line. Like, you know, Patrice Bergeron still isn't there, but that Boston top line, especially with the defense on the blue line, like, we'll talk about defensemen at the end of the show. I think this is going to be the season when Charlie McAvoy just kind of kind of lays his nuts on the table and says, "I'm one of the best defensemen in the NHL" because he actually like is. Stan's dad style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just walking down the street with a giant wheelbarrow. Um, <laughs> Because he has been one of the best defensemen in the NHL for a few years now. The problem is, is like he's not a tremendous offensive star. Like he won't stand out on the ice like Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes or Roman Yossi or those guys. Um, he just does everything exceptionally well, and he's actually seen a tick up in some of his uh, some of his underlying metrics so far this season. Um, especially when you look at his shots, like he's over two shots per game, which is something that. He typically, you know, he didn't do last year. He was right on the fringe the year before. So uh, he's shooting more. I think he's getting more involved. But all this is to say, like, there's still a very good blue line backing up the top line for Boston, right? You still have McAvoy. You still have Lindholm. You still have Carlo. You still have, you know, Grizzly's still good. You know, go on down the list. So um, the Boston top line, 1.6 expected goals against with Marchand up there. Uh, like, I don't expect, I expect them to, at least be able to handle Florida. Like maybe the top line gets a goal or something like that. I don't know if they get like three and break the slate. That's kind of the problem here. So um, I know there's not much ownership uh, on Florida um, tonight. So that is one reason to play them. I'll bring them up real quick in top stacks here. Uh, the second line, 4.5% with Lucerine in there. With Lundell, it wouldn't make a difference really. Um, you know, top line under 2%. So if you want to get a low owned line and if you're playing 20 lineups or 50 lineups or whatever, maybe you get a Florida one in, but I don't know if I'd play them in single entry on the Boston side. I'm interested to see how their new lines kind of work out because they did move um, Matt Poitra down to the third line. That's interesting for a number of reasons. I think this is his ninth game tonight, which, and after nine games, he either has to get sent back to junior or he's there in the NHL for the rest of the season. Um, so I, I'm wondering if this isn't like kind of like a precursor to him getting sent down and he might not get a lot of minutes and they give more minutes to Coil and DeBrus because they're going to have to lean on them more with Protragon. So um, I'm kind of interested in that Boston too. I agree with you, Van Riemsdyk, Coil and DeBrus. Uh, Florida two is really high event. Um, whether Sam Bennett's there or not, that second line is a high event line. Um, so far this season, not as much. Um Lundell is a little bit of a better defensive player than I think he gets credit for, and that could help. But with Bennett there, they do just kind of trade chances. So I would have a little bit of interest in Boston too, but I don't think 
that's necessarily where I'm going to go with my filler. So I think I'm kind of with you here. Um, the Florida penalty kill hasn't really been that great. Like it's been okay. Um, but you know, you look at their shots and expected goals against metrics and all that, like nothing really stands out. So I think it's not a bad power play spot for Boston. So I think I'm with you. What I like best is, is the top line. You don't have to play all three guys. I don't think, you know, Marchand is even getting, you know, a little bit of time off during games. Like they're not playing him as much as, as Pasternak and they didn't really do that last year either. So I think you include Pasternak and then you just, if you don't want a full stack, you just pick one up Zaka uh, or Marchand, but it's really only Boston one that I kind of like here. Yeah. I mean, a lot of options and for, Florida, we were talking a little bit about road totals. They have one of the higher road totals on the site. Not that, like, outside of Carolina, no one's above a three. So let's get to those Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.4 total heading into Philadelphia. The Flyers have a 2.6. The only line with over a percent ownership in this game is the Couturier line. And I don't know why. Like, they're they're coming in at 5.7% projected, and I think that – ownership number is fine they're 14,100 as the top line they've been playing very well where I'm confused on the ownership is why there isn't any ownership on Carolina now you mentioned to me before the show Tevu Teravine had a hat trick last game but it played under 12 minutes got moved down to the fourth line and Svechnikov moved up to the top line now Svechnikov was on the fourth line again in practice but this seems like a situation where Teravine is going to start on the top line and then Svechnikov is going to move up there that does make building lineups a bit of a pain in the ass, but Svechnikov is on the top power play unit, so it's not the worst pain in the ass move if he doesn't move up. I'm just I'm just wondering why they have no ownership. Like I know Philly's been better to start this year. I know Carter Hart has been good. I know they're a better defensive team. I know um, you know it's in Philadelphia, so the Gatoria line is going to see the Aho line. So maybe you go to Carolina too here, but there should be more than 1% ownership on these lines. And it's a 3.4 road total. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also point out that um, the Flyers allowed 12 goals in the two, in the two starts by Sam Erson. So they've only allowed 13 goals in the other six games started by Carter Harris. So like, that's why their goals against kind of looks a little bit skewed. Like, Technically, they're over three goals a game, but it's only because they put out a guy that's managed a save percentage under 800 so far this year. So uh, you can't really judge him by that. But yeah, um, I mean, the first thing we should point out is the special cost price. As Ray Rock mentioned in the chat, special cost still $3,000 on FanDuel. I'm wondering if they leave him there because people might not remember. I think it was 2015. Sean Monaghan was $3,600 on FanDuel the entire season, and he had a 31 goal, like a 31 goal, 64 point season. And he was 30, like $3,600 for five months straight. I'm, I'm just kind of hoping we get a situation like that again. Um, but yeah, it is the ownership for Carolina that sticks out here. Um, no ownership on the top line, 0.6%. No ownership on the second line, 0.7%. Um, a little bit of ownership, uh, extra ownership on the third line. One of the reasons for that is they kind of have like at least two lines that could uh, help win a GPP, if not three, like the third line will have some big games this year. So they basically have three playable lines. They have guys playing across power play units. 
Um, you know, Sveshnikov, <laughs> this team, man. Sveshnikov practiced on the top power play unit last week, and then his first game back, he, he was on the second power play unit. So that's I think that's another point here, too, is that I, I think Sveshnikov might move up power play units as well at some point. It's just a matter of when it happens. Um, I think there's there's properly some reticence to play in Carolina. At the same time, going back to last year, that Carolina top line, Jarvis, Teravainen, um, and Ajo, really, really good together. 3.5 expected goals for three actual goals in over 330 minutes together. Um, I think Ajo played uh, like 20 minutes in their last game. Jarvis was still playing 18 minutes. So, like, that was against San Jose. And where Carolina, you know, they only won 3 nothing, but they were firmly in control the entire game. Um, so, you know, if they're playing 18, 20 minutes against San Jose, you can feel pretty comfortable going to play at least that against Philly unless this is a blowout one way or another. Um, but, yeah, Tara Vinen only got three shifts in the third period. They moved Sveshnikov up to the top line at times. So like, that kind of worries me. Um, I think you can leave Tara Vinen off the stack coming off the hat trick. That feels kind of dangerous to do. But with no ownership, I think it's fine. And the other note is, is Philly hasn't been using Sean Couturier in a shutdown role, at least not exclusively. They've been using their second and third lines a little bit to kind of help uh, alleviate a little bit of the load for, for Couturier. So I think Carolina's top line can take advantage of that. Like, I know that Noah Cates' line, Noah Cates and Joel Fairby, typically fairly good defensively, but they're dressing Morgan Frost tonight uh, and putting in with Travis Konechny. And if those guys go out uh, against the Carolina top line, Carolina's top line is probably going to have uh, the run of the play. So I do like Carolina one here. Carolina two is where things get kind of interesting. It's very cocky. That line's defensive numbers this year are just bad. Not just like bad relative to Carolina, like bad on any team in the league. And noticeably, Cockney is shooting a lot more than he has at any point in his, in his career. Like, He's over 16 shot attempts per 60 minutes so far this season. I think his career high is like at about 12. So he is much, much higher than where he normally is. I'm wondering if there's not an increased focus on offense from him. Maybe they're still getting used to playing with Michael Bunting, you know, that type of thing. And it's giving up some uh, extra, you know, chances against. Maybe kind of gives me a little bit of interest in the Philly top line here. But the problem is, is when you look at that ownership that you mentioned earlier, Philly's top line coming in at 6%. It's not bad for a top line that's 14,100 on DraftKings, but it's still against Carolina. I think I like the Carolina side better. Like I'd rather just get the top line for Carolina, pay an extra $3,000 or whatever, get them at, you know, 1% ownership, then get a six or 7% um, Philly top line. So I am on Carolina one um, here tonight. I might leave off Tara Vine and, I, you know, I haven't made my lineups yet. Seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. I don't think I'm going to go down to Carolina two, Carolina three. I, Carolina three is in play for me. They're they're kind of like the bad version offensively of like that Calgary third line. Like that Calgary third line can actually score pretty well. This line can't, but they do generate so much offense that they do have a handful of games every year where the pucks go in and they have monster nights. So 
I think Carolina three is fine as a filler, but you know, we mentioned that there aren't a lot of super expensive stacks on the slate here tonight. So I don't know really why you would dip down that far. So I think it's Carolina one. I like the best. I do like the Couturier line a bit. Coming in a little bit over-owned, I think I'd be more inclined to play them in a 150 max than a single entry. Yeah, and just to add, I think Sveshnikov is still a really good one-off. Like, even if he doesn't move up to the top line, I still think, you know, it's not great if he doesn't move up, but he is not your average fourth liner, we'll put it that way. And if he gets 15 minutes, you know, he can do some damage. Much more so on FanDuel, where he's min-priced, compared to DraftKings, where he's very expensive. First time the... uh the Ducks have been on the main slate in a minute, and I am excited. The Anaheim Ducks with a 2.6 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.8 total. Some news in this game. Um, Brian Rust is off the top power play unit in favor of Riley Smith. Not exactly sure. Like The Pittsburgh power play has been bad for over a year now they're just you know hoping riley smith can add a boost to them i'm, I'm not sure anything is really going to change if they're going to shoot what is it five six percent on the power play they like they just need to score shoot better percentage it's easy but um yeah he- heaviest projected ownership or projected owned line of the night is pit one and it's no surprise there. like anaheim they're not like completely got awful defensively like they were last year. Like they were a joke defensively last year. This year they're bad, but it's not like, oh yeah, we'll just blindly stack a 20% line on a nine game slate and cash and laugh our ass off later. Like they've been at least not awful. I guess I'll go with like, they're still bad, but they're not like atrocious. That being said, like, I'm a notorious pit one fader here. You want to play them at 20,300, 17%. I think they're a great play. It does annoy me that Russ is off the top power play unit. You want to dip down to power or the second line. I think that's fine. You can also power play stack here. For me, the Ducks are the more interesting side. Like, okay, yeah, Pittsburgh's a great play, yada, yada, yada. Like, we know. But the other side is interesting. Ducks, 2.6 total on the road. Yari got yanked the last game vitrano has two hat tricks this season he's playing with with mctavish and strom coming at one percent leo carlson's actually looked good for as much as we've like nuked the ducks for taking carlson when he's been on the ice he's looked he's looked like he's belong so i don't know man like pittsburgh great play but i have interest in this ducks top six here yeah i do i do too um carlson has looked better than i thought he would I thought he'd be a guy that maybe he would probably have to go down to the third line just to kind of work his way up as the season went on. But he's looked really, really good. Next to Zegers and Terry, about 50 minutes together, 3.1 expected goals for 56 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Those are pretty good offensive numbers. Um, They didn't play a ton last game. They did play a ton before that. So I think it's kind of like um, – um, there are other teams that do that, right? It's, it's Seattle's a good example. We'll get to Seattle next. Seattle, like, there'll be some games where Matt Beniers plays 15 minutes, and there'll be some games where Matt Beniers plays 20. That's kind of what Anaheim seems to be doing, um, with their top six. Like, some games the t- second line will get more ice time, some games it'll be the top line. Don't know exactly what it's going to be. Like I said, Zegers, uh, Terry, and Carlson, 
uh, meshing pretty well so far together this season. Zegers also shooting the puck a lot more. Uh, career high shot rate so far this season. We'll see if it lasts. But that was kind of like the last piece to him really being like a next level offensive star was shoot, just shooting the puck more. Um, and he's doing that to start. So we'll see if that continues. But it's a, like I said, it is a really good start for him. The big note about Anaheim is that last year, Pittsburgh used the Malkin line quite a bit in the shutdown line. And they even st started this season that way. But over the last few games at home, they have been using Sidney Crosby more in a shutdown role. And whatever's going on with that top line, the defensive numbers are really, really bad for a Sidney Crosby line. 3.2 expected goals against per 60 minutes of 5 on 5. 4.9 actual goals against is probably why Tristan Jari's been pulled. Um, and it, you can't just strictly blame it on Eric Carlson because the numbers are bad with or without him on the ice. So I'm wondering if it's like this team didn't really have an easy time scoring at five on five last year. Like they ended up with some pretty high point totals by the end of the season. Um, but they weren't a great five on five scoring team. And I'm wondering if there's been any kind of like how I talked about with Kakaniemi, how it seems like he might be changing his approach and it's costing him defensively. I'm wondering if Sidney Crosby's line is kind of doing the same thing and it might not be that bad of a matchup for Anaheim one. The problem is, is like they're coming in over own, just like that Philly top line is. Um, and they're on the road in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the Penguins don't take a ton of penalties, 3.1 per game. Like, league average is about 3.6, so they're quite a ways off. Anaheim's at the other end of the spectrum. They're uh, tied for the league lead and most uh, times shorthanded per game at 5.1, which means they're giving up 5.1 power plays per game. Now, the problem with that is Pittsburgh's actually last still in drawing power plays, only 2.5 power plays per game. And they're only shooting like 6% on the power play so far this season. So it's like they might get a lot of opportunities, but will they actually because they don't draw that many? And when they do, are they going to be any good when they're on them? Like, I think I'm kind of inclined to get away from the ownership in this game. Like, I talk, we talk a lot about how like high ownership doesn't really scare us. And there are other higher owned spots later in the slate that we'll talk about that I am keen on. I don't think this is one of them. Um, I think I'm in a little bit more. On the Anaheim top line, I might choke down, you know, that five or six percent ownership. I'm really not that concerned about it. If they're five or six percent and they're actually a top two stack on the night, it's not a concern like at all. Right. So um, I am in on the top line uh, for Anaheim here. I think the second line is fine. I'm just worried that they're overheating and going to come in a little bit over on because of it. So I think it's Anaheim one for me on the Pittsburgh side. Like. I'm kind of interested in that second line now, now that uh, Riley Smith is on the top power play. You know, I think Riley Smith is kind of one of the more underrated players over the last half decade because he's not a guy that usually gets much power play time, whether it was in Vegas, whether it was in Florida, or whether um, now here in Pittsburgh, he's not often got like heavy top power play minutes. That's why he puts up like 50, 55 points or whatever. He Give him power play one on the Penguins all season. He could be like a 75 point winger. Um, so I'm kind of interested in Pittsburgh too. <laughs> Ricard Raquel's not looked very good so far to start this season. So that kind of worries me, but if anything on the Penguin side, it would be Pittsburgh too. Um, I think I like Anaheim one best, uh, in this game, considering ownership and price and all that. Yeah. It's like, do you want to play Pittsburgh? Go ahead. Like there are plenty of reasons why they're chalk tonight. 
It's just, do you want to choke down on it or do you want to play? Yeah, there's lines in that vicinity of projected ownership later, which we'll talk about. I've always been a notorious pit one fader. You want to play them? Go for it. Like, don't let my bias idiotic. I'm going to be honest. Nine game slate. Um, it's not really a huge slate. It's a six and a half total. You have two relatively cheap lines on the Anaheim side. It's not the worst game stack on the slate either. Right. Just throwing that out there. Just don't. Yeah. What well, basically my point was just don't think that we're like saying Pittsburgh's not a good play because they are. We're just Pittsburgh sucks. They do suck, but you know what? <laughs> Crosby, big bitch. But anyway, moving on. There are 140 of you in here now. Now we have a special deal for you just today. We can get you $8.60 off for Jack Hughes. The first week of the weekly membership. So the first week will be $10.35. for, And then it will go back to $18.95. To, to take advantage of it, sign up using the link in the description below. That's the only way to do it. Click the link in the description below. So if you're not premium you can get $8.60 off the first week. So your first week will be $10.35, and then it will go to $18.95. What you get, you get player and ownership projections, you get top stacks tools, you get lines combinations, and you get access to the Discord, which is invaluable. You always get access to Cliffy's article, which is free almost every day. You get this show, which is free as well. It stays free as long as you, you know, click the link in the description below. No, it'll be free, but like, well, the more people who sign up, the more, the longer we'll be on four games plus doing free shows. That's just how business works. But this is a great deal. You're getting almost 50% off here. I I don't, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to do the math in my head, but $8.60 off the first first week. It's basically a little over a dollar a day to give the uh, Stochastic NHL Premium a test drive. So you might as well uh, do it. Get in the Discord. Say what's up. Say you came from the Jack Hughes promo. And uh, Clayton, who just started watching um, what are you, Deadwood, he will give you the, the rules of the chat. It's usually keep your arms and legs, hands and legs or feet where we can see him or something. I don't know. I don't abide by the rules. Let's move on to the next one. The Seattle Kraken with a 2.5 total heading into Tampa Bay. The Lightning have a 3.5 total. There's no ownership on this game either. And Lightning have a 3.5 total. I don't really like stacking against Tampa Bay. Or, excuse me, against Seattle. But, like, if you're going to give me two project, a little over projected 2% ownership on a Kucherov line, a little over 2% uh, percent, wow, Projected ownership on the Stamkos line. It's Grubauer net. It's not Decord, who's been their best goalie this season. I, I like Tampa here. The one thing that concerns me about this matchup, it's not like the way Seattle's playing or anything like that. It's that they don't take penalties, right? 31st um, in the league by time shorthanded so far this season. In fact, the only team that's taken fewer penalties in Seattle is Tampa Bay. These are the two least penalized teams in the NHL. Um, so far this year, um, that's one thing that worries me because, uh, like, once you get to those seven, eight, nine K guys, I mean, they're not nine K, but seven, eight K guys, um, you usually need some power play upside um, to get there. I mean, they still have power play upside. Like, they could get two power plays and score on both of them. Like, let's get that straight. That that's how good the power play is. It just kind of 
worries me that it's not a tremendous matchup. But like you said, I'll bring the top backs up real quick. 2.4% ownership first line, 2.4% ownership second line, both positive leverage on DraftKings here tonight. And we got to say, Alex Barry Boulette has looked, has fit in on the top line. And and that hasn't been the case for him. Like, there's a reason why he's led the AHL, not led the AHL, but been one of the league leaders in points in the AHL for like three years, four years now, and not been able to crack the NHL roster. It's because he hasn't been able to skate with the with the Kucherovs, with the points, with the Stamkoses, and, and so on. He has fit in like uh, about 50 minutes together, 74 shot attempts for 44 against per 60 minutes with Barry Boulette on the top line. Those are pretty good numbers. Um, the other bonus is that, uh, they usually don't go out against top lines. They'll probably go out, uh, against the second line, Wenberg, Everly, uh, Jaden Schwartz. It's not really a line that concerns me, um, on the defensive side of the puck at all. Um, should, yeah, we should know Jordan Everly got moved down to that second line. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand up to the top line with Matty Beneers and, and, uh, Ty Cartier, but, um, that's kind of another thing that plays in their favors. Like if you have Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov out there against Alex Wenberg, like Wenberg's a fine player, but he's kind of like Luce Therainen in that sense, right? Like he's kind of miscast as a second line center, I think. So um, I don't mind this spot uh, for Tampa one, actually. They are my favorite line on the Tampa side. I know they're trying to get Nick Paul into the top six and make it kind of like a defensive line. I think they're just kind of biding time until Anthony Sorelli finds his game. Like, Nick Paul has been fine on the third line. He's been fine on the top power play unit. Um, I don't think he's the guy that can play well with Stamkos at five on five. Like their numbers so far, that I mean, this, the numbers with Hagel at least so far this season have not been good. 49 shot attempts for 74 against per 60 minutes. They're getting absolutely ran over. That's what's kind of making me like the Seattle top line here tonight. Um, like you said, not a lot of ownership on any single line in this game. <laughs> But Top Stacks has all three uh, Seattle lines, Seattle 1, Seattle 2, Seattle 3, between 6 and 7% on DraftKings here tonight. Um, that's just because they do balance the lineup and, you know, the prices aren't very far off. It's kind of the same thing over on FanDuel, all between 2 and 4%. Um, but Cartier and Bjorkstrand are both shooters. Cartier's had a really high shot rate this year. Like, I know it might seem like out of nowhere, but Cartier was really good for them in the playoffs last year. I think he played, got into 10 games. And he led the AHL in scoring as a rookie last year. Like, this isn't just some guy that just had a good training camp, right? Like, there is – he was really good last year, both in the AHL and in the NHL playoffs. Um, he has a high shot rate so far this season. Um, him and Bjorkstrand are at the top of the team. So, you have both shooters at the top. And you have Beneers, who's a really good playmaker. I like the Beneers, Karate, Bjorkstrand line especially where they're so cheap. Like, I don't care if they're 6%. Like, I think that's a perfect filler line. You know, if you're playing, uh, you know, an expensive Pittsburgh stack, uh, if, you know, later on, if you're playing like an expensive Winnipeg or Dallas or, or anything like that, um, I think that Seattle Beneers line is one that could do well tonight, um, you know, going up against that Stamkos line, which hasn't been very good defensively. And Tampa Bay just hasn't been very good defensively overall. So I like Seattle one here, um, Tampa one as well. But I think I kind of like the Seattle side a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the Seattle side, like, Tampa's not very good defensively. So, yeah, I, I the Tampa top line does interest me at that percentage, even if Seattle doesn't take a bunch of penalties. 
if you're an NFL football Giants fan, they just traded Leonard Williams to the Seahawks for a second and a fifth. So congrats. The Jets-Giants game yesterday was the worst game in NFL history. I don't care. That was one of the worst games of like all time. Every three days, my timeline is filled with, this is the worst football game I've ever watched. And I'm like, stop watching them, man. <laughs> this was legitimately the worst football game of all time. It was, yeah, it was until until this Thursday night or whatever. I don't even know who's playing, but it's probably going to be the worst football game you've ever seen. No, no, no. The, the Jets lost their second string center and their third string center on like back to back plays. Tyrod Taylor got hurt. The, they had like Danny DeVito at quarterback and he couldn't throw the ball. So every, it was just awful. Like I, I lost 36 IQ points with watching that game. Yeah, I just. I like to. I'll, I'll take my Thursday nights and just watch NHL. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Detroit Red Wings. Let's get to this game. Yeah, let's talk about awful games and go to the the, the Wings Islanders. Detroit Red Wings with a two point seven total heading into Long Island. That's miserable. The Islanders have a three point two total. Hello, darkness, my old friend. My God, Islanders have burned me so many times this season. Detroit. Feels like they've burned me a couple times. <sighs> Top lines for the Islanders let me down big time. They're 4.7%. Maybe this is a get-right game at home for them. I don't know. Red Wings top line, under a percent. It's just like I was looking for reasons to fade this game because, like, it gives me heartburn to play these teams. But here we are, and there's not much ownership – I like both top lines here. <laughs> Help. Yeah, um, I do too. In fact, I did write up uh, the Detroit top line in the picks article today. As you mentioned earlier, free to read almost almost every day. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, over at Stochastic.com. What I mentioned in that article, like you, usually it was just see a team going into New York to face the Islanders and face Sorokin or, or Barlamov. Didn't really matter who was starting. And it was just don't even bother talking about that team. You've given up 17 goals in five home games this year. Even if you take out that Colorado game, um, it's still 10 goals in four games, which is not that good for them. And they've given up the sixth most shots per minute of five on five this season. And if you go back to last year, Horvat and Anders Lee have a fairly large sample together, um, 340 minutes or something like that. Expected goals against per 60 minutes of 2.7, which is below league average, and actual goals against at about 3.5, which is well below league average. And then if you look at just Barzal and Horvat this year, 
Like I'm talking Anaheim Ducks last year levels of shot attempts and expected goals against. And that's not hyperbole. Their expected goals against is four per 60 minutes with Barzal and Horvat on the ice. I don't know what is going on. Like, are they trying to turn into a high-octane offensive team and not kind of realizing they don't really have the players for it, especially on the blue line besides Noah Dobson? So I don't know why, but they're looking pretty porous defensively, and they're taking a lot of penalties. 3.9 times shorthanded per game is well above the league average. That's not really usually where you see the New York Islanders. So, you know, Detroit gets three, four power plays, and – you know, they're going up against the top line. I will mention that the Brock Nelson line got shut some of the shutdown matchups in their last home game. I think they're finally realizing that everybody else is just getting ran the F over and they're like, okay, we got to put a stop to this. So maybe it ends up being a little bit of a tougher matchup because they go out against Angval and Palmieri. But at 1%, like, I, in fact, 0.7%. When I wrote them up this morning, Detroit, I'll bring up the top stacks. Detroit was 1% ownership this morning. Now they're down to 0.7%. Um, you know, they are riding a little bit hot, but they're still generating a lot. 3.3 expected goals for for 60 minutes is really, really good offense. Um, you know, I do worry about ice time. Alex DeBrincat's only been over 18 and a half minutes once this season. That's a little bit of a concern for me, but at under 1%, I'm heavily considering Detroit 1 here tonight um, as one of my main stacks. Um, I'm not playing the Detroit depth. I'm not even going to talk about them. On the Oscar side, like I said, uh, they had been using Kyle Palmieri um, in a shutdown role, Palmieri, Angval, and, and Nelson in their last game. I don't know if that's going to persist to this game, um, but they have been pretty much generating at will. Um, 76 shot attempts, 4.2 expected goals, 4.2 actual goals per 60 minutes of 505 this year. Basically, a continuation of what they were doing last year. This is has turned into one of the best second lines in the entire league. The so Leafs, yeah. the Leafs, let him go. <laughs> oh my God, I'll never get tired of that. Me either. It's my favorite thing about the Leafs right now. And I wrote up Kyle Palmieri uh, in the picks article. Like, you know, Detroit is taking a lot of penalties as well. They're right there with the Islanders at three point nine times shorthanded per game. Uh, the penalty kill is nothing to be feared. Um, I do uh, like the Islanders' second line because the thing is, it doesn't really matter what line they're matched up against, first line, second line, third line. The Islanders' second line is going to be the best line on the ice. Um, they're coming in a little bit over-owned, but I really don't care at 5% on a nine-game slate. I think you can leave Engball off. I did notice last game he was benched for like last four minutes um, towards the end of the game when they had a late lead. I don't like... He's not on the power play with him, and he's not going to be out there with the empty net. That's not really a guy I, I I want to say you have to play. So if you want to leave him off, I think you can. Oh, obviously, he's still fine to play. Um, that line is generating a lot. But I like the Islanders' second line here. I also like the Detroit top line. I think there are multiple playable lines. I think there are multiple playable lines, at least on the Islanders' side. Probably not Detroit, but um, there are at least two, maybe three good lines in this game. Yeah, just to reiterate your point, on Barzell, Horvat being bad defensively. They had to move Barzell off that line, the third buried against Columbus, because the Rosovic Jenner Goudreau line was just speed bagging them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think because they have him on his off wing too, right? Like yeah. um I think they said he wanted to play the left side, but they have him on the right. So maybe that's part of it too. Like he's yeah. just trying to get comfortable where he's uncomfortable. I mean, 
or just guessing here, but you look at the defensive numbers, they've not been, they've been, like I said, Anaheim Ducks last year bad. Yeah. And Vol- uh, Varley shut him out, but like that third period, man, Columbus was on them like a wet blanket. So, like, yeah, I, I do have interest in Detroit one here. Let's move on to the next one. The New York Rangers with a 2.9 total heading into Winnipeg. The Jets have a 2.7 total. I see we have a super chat. Let's get to that real quick. Thank you very much from Ryan Wooldridge. Uh, I probably butchered that. $5. Hi, bro. Who should I pick for NBA games for DraftKings tonight? Um, NBA Live before lock. Oh, wait. I'll tell you the schedule. NBA Deeper Dive at 445 with Josh Engelman and Adam Schurter, who's back from his hiatus at 445 p.m. NBA Live Before Lock at 6 p.m. with Greg and Eric. So, yeah, if you're looking for NBA, that is who you're going to want to tune into. I mean, I will say I'm just looking at the – I just brought up the NBA projections real quick. Luka Doncic is uh, right at the top of the list. And Jason Tatum is third, so I'm not an NBA guy, but you know those guys are first and third by by uh, fantasy point projections on DraftKings tonight. So I guess they'd be your best bet. Yeah, when in doubt, just play Luca. Seems fair. Yeah, I can be NBA tout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jets, Rangers. This game is surprisingly. I mean, it is trending towards a five point five there. Um, yeah, definitely tune into that NBA show live before lock. Greg won 110,000 over the weekend, so he knows what he's talking about. This Slytherin guy has no clue about NBA anymore. So, yeah. If we are to believe the flow chart, first of all, the Jets got flow charted off a cliff against Montreal. That top line did nothing in a good matchup. This is a tough matchup, so play the Jets. Uh, news for the Jets. Ehlers is off the top power play unit for Perfidi. That's like putting a lipstick on a pig. So I I don't know. Like that second line, still not going to see a ton of minutes. Do whatever you want there. Um, Yeah, I do have interest in the Jets top line at 3%. Like I know it's Igor. I'm not going to get there in single entry, but the Rangers don't take a ton of penalties either, but they have – their penalty kill is where you can be Igor. So, like, I don't mind some Winnipeg 1 and MME. I, I don't think I'm getting there in single entry. <sighs> On the Rangers side, like, the one thing I said to Cliffy before the show is Mika Zibanejan is a very streaky player. So when the puck starts going in the net, he tends to just keep putting pucks in the net. That being said, they're still ass five on five. Everything Mika did was on the power play. Like they cannot finish five on five. But at two point six percent and sixteen thousand two hundred, like I will take a, a chance. The second line didn't look great against Vancouver. Panarin's two contributions to the score sheet were also on the power play. So like I, I feel like this is an MME game or some sort of Rangers power play stack because the Jets penalty kill not great. One thing I will mention about the ice time is Ehlers was up over 20 minutes in that game against Montreal and Perfidi was at 16 and a half. Now it was an overtime game, but Perfidi didn't play at all in overtime. Um, so it was 16 and a half minutes in regulation, like 16 and a half minutes, at least that's playable, um, you know, for a second line. It's not 11 minutes. Hopefully it's a trend of, of better things to come. And I actually don't hate uh, the matchup for that second line here tonight. 
Um, problem is, is that they might end up getting um, they might end up getting the the Panarin line a little bit more than I would like to see, which is not a tremendous matchup. I'd like to see him out against the bottom six. Um, it is the Winnipeg top line that sometimes goes out against bottom six, um, especially if they keep using Adam Lowry in a shutdown role. And the bottom six for for the Rangers really hasn't been that great. Um, about league average defensively, you know, Winnipeg has not been elite so far this season, but they're good, still good enough to take advantage of of a line or a group that is, you know, league average or worse defensively. The thing is, is Winnipeg one is three percent, nineteen k, right? That's perfectly fine. Detroit one is 0.7%, 18.8, right? So it's like, who would I rather play tonight? Would I rather play Winnipeg at home to the Rangers or Detroit on the road against the Islanders? With the way the Islanders are playing and the way the Rangers are playing, I would probably rather play Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the problem I'm running into. I agree. This is a great flowchart game for the Jets. Like, Flowchart says this probably should be like a 5-1 Winnipeg win or something like that, right? Um, but when I just look at other lines kind of in that price range, like I think I would still rather play Detroit tonight um, than, uh, than that top Winnipeg line. So I think for me, it's Winnipeg 2 or nothing. Ehlers, Perfidi, Nemestikov, like they've still been really good. Two, 68 shot attempts per 60 minutes. They're controlling two-thirds of the shot attempts when they're on the ice. So, obviously, they've been really, really dominant. Um, it is a tough matchup, but, you know, they're one of the filler stacks you can consider. I'm not super hot on the Rangers here tonight. As you said, the top line's really still struggling to score. Like, one thing we mention on every show is the top line with Kako there. Um, they generate a lot. They just can't finish. It's been the exact same thing so far this season. 2.3 uh, expected goals, or sorry, 2.7 expected goals, 1.4 actual goals. That pretty much doesn't quite mirror what they've done over the, over the previous couple seasons, but it's not that far off. So then you're relying strictly, not strictly, but pretty much on the power play to get there. And the Rangers power play has been great. So they can get there um, on the power play, but the Winnipeg penalty kill has been pretty good to start the year. They had a couple rough games to start the season and has really settled down since. So I don't know, man. I think Winnipeg 2 is fine as a filler here tonight, but this isn't this, it's not shaping up to be a game where I'm running out to stack either side. Yeah, it's low total on both sides. Like it's like when we first started doing shows together four seasons ago, seems that's crazy to think. It was like 5.5 totals were a regular thing. It's rare to see a 5.5 total now. So, yeah, I agree there. As we mentioned off the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet365. And you can get $150 in bonus bets when you sign up, deposit $10, and bet $5. The states this is available are Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. Uh, you can sign up, get 150 in free bonus bets, and tell the big dog plus money prop of the night, which is a Sean Dersey point. So, yeah, if you want to sign up, you can tell the big dog plus money prop of the night. You have to be 21 plus or 18 in Kentucky. If you or anyone else you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Columbus Blue Jackets, 2.4 total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a 3.7 total. Okay. 
<laughs> the Dallas top line is the same price as the Pittsburgh top line here tonight. The, the Pittsburgh top line is coming in at 17% ownership, but and they play 20-plus minutes a night. The Dallas top line is coming in at 10% projected ownership, and they are probably going to play 16 minutes tonight. They can end the slate in those 16 minutes. The, like They don't need 20 minutes to completely ruin your night if you're fading them. The Blue Jackets take a fair bit of penalties. They don't have a great penalty kill. Like If I'm considering spending up over 20000 between Pittsburgh and Dallas, I prefer Dallas 1 despite the minutes reduction. It's a better matchup. Maybe it's not a better matchup, but like the Dallas, what I meant to say is the Dallas top line is wildly more efficient than the, than the Pittsburgh top line. The Dallas power play is wildly better than the Pittsburgh power play. So if you give me four less minutes, but you give me the more efficiency and the better power play, I'm in on Dallas one here. I see the Dallas second line wildly overowned, and they're super cheap and I get it. Like you want to go Pittsburgh one Dallas two, like the Duchesne line. Fine. Or like the Wyatt Johnson line, fine. But for me, this is a Dallas one game. Yeah, I will say I do like Johnston and Ben. I wrote up Wyatt Johnston in the picks article today. He's getting a couple more minutes uh, per game um, than he was last year. I I think he's trying to generate more offense, and it's he's sacrificing a little bit of defense to do it. Um, but they're going to be going into the middle six against Columbus. Like, you know, it's going to be Johnston and Ben against, you know, Fantilli and Tessier. Or Sillinger and Kent Johnson, and I'm not worried about those matchups. So I don't mind that, you know, kind of like a two-man filler stack or something like that. The Dallas top line is interesting. Like, um, I was writing about them uh, at a different spot, and the one thing that immediately jumped out to me was this. It's not just the ice time, because Jason Robertson has, like, has lost, like, one minute of ice time per game uh, compared to last year. What jumped out to me was the power play time. So far this season, Jason Robertson is getting 55% of Dallas's available power play time. That is pathetic, honestly. It really is. Last year, he was at like 63 or 64%, and even that's kind of low. We'll talk about Vegas later in the slate. Jack Eichel's at like 73%. They're basically splitting the power play units. It's, that's basically what's happening. I don't know why they're doing that. Like, it, it's really funny to me to hear quotes in the media about Dallas' struggle, Dallas not looking good, et cetera, et cetera, when they're playing their top guys less than, you know, Tyler Sagan, and they're basically splitting the power play units. And it's like, well, I wonder why you're struggling. You're playing your worst players more and your best players less. Like, that's what will happen. Anyways, it is still a really good matchup. Uh, for the Dallas top line, they have still been generating quite a bit. Three and a half expected goals so far this season. 3.7 actual goals per 60 minutes at five on five. I'm not worried about the top line matchup uh, against Columbus. They've been giving up 60 shot attempts per 60 minutes so far this season. Um, even without Kirill Marchenko there. Um, it's just it's just a matter of when is that game going to happen? Because like you said, they are more than good enough to just obliterate almost anybody in 16 minutes of ice time. They haven't really done it yet. It's going to come eventually. It's just a matter of when. I'd rather not play them at 10, 12% ownership. You know what I mean? On a nine game slate, that's kind of my problem. Like, I'd rather them, 
you know, get them at 3% when they're on the road, like, you know, in Los Angeles or, so, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like a little bit of an own, over-owned spot. Um, but yeah, Dallas won perfectly fine here. Dallas, two, I think the the Johnston line is kind of where I'm looking a little bit more. I'm a little interested in that second line from Columbus. Fantilli and Tessier have been really good so far this season. Um, 71 shot, or sorry, 3.7 expected goals per 60 minutes in 75 minutes together for Fantilli and Tessier. The problem is, is they're shooting 2%. Um, once that positively regresses, they're going to start scoring a lot more goals. Um, th- that Columbus second line not really getting any ownership. I don't think you have to full stack. I full stack. I think you can leave Bemstrom off and just go Fantilli Texier, especially where Fantilli's on the top power play unit. Um, but it is Dallas one, Columbus two. I like in this game. I agree there. It's just like. They're not the chalkiest line of the night, and it always makes me nervous. Like when they are in these matchups, you know what I mean? Hey, if, was the, was the dog barking for Columbus too? Here, yeah, might be a Fantilli night. Always a Fantilli night in the Harris household. Fair enough. If I can't have Ken Johnson, give me Fantilli. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks with a two point six total heading into Arizona. The Coyotes have a three point four total. My my youngest son just left the house and she's very upset about it. So, um, Chicago top line: Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, Philip Kurashev. On paper, that just looks awful. Now, on paper, on paper, on the ice, <laughs> everywhere. The one thing I will say: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I... The one, like Nick Felino, his scoring chance contributions have been okay. But if you put me on a line with Connor Bedard, my scoring chance contributions would look okay. And they're coming in over own tonight. I don't know, man. Like now we have Arizona one going in this matchup. Clayton Keller is more expensive than Jason Robertson, but they're only 18,200. They're a little bit higher, projected higher. I can't talk today. Projected ownership is a little higher than Dallas one at 11 and a half percent. They're fine. I I mean, I like them like Barrett Hayton has no points in seven games this season. That's not going to keep up. Like he's eventually going to get on the score sheet at some point and held the copium. Um, It's just a really good matchup for Arizona one. I think, you know, if you want to play Chicago, it's probably something like, because Kurashev is on the top power play unit. 
you got like Bedard, Kurashev, Seth Jones, or something like that. But like, I don't have a ton of interest in Chicago outside of Bedard. Yeah, I mean, certainly Bedard one off, I think, is perfectly fine. Here's the problem with playing Chicago. Like you said, they're coming in over home. Um, top Stacks has them 7, 7.8% ownership against 4.2% top two probability. The problem is, is that they're priced with a lot of other pretty good lines, actually, in that range. Like we talked about Anaheim 1 earlier in the show. That's another one in the same price range. We talked about Philly 1. It's another overall line in the same price range. At least they're at home. Um, the Vegas second line we'll get to is in a really good matchup against Montreal. Like there are just other lines you can play coming in at roughly the same ownership, if not lower. And they're, they don't have Nick Foligno and Philip Kershev on the wings. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like as good as Connor Bedard is like, just think about it in your head. Would, would you rather at same ownership, same price, same everything. Would you rather play Nick Foligno and Philip Kershev on the road or Cam Atkinson and Owen Tippett at home? You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of the way I'm approaching this. So it's not a bad matchup per se going into Arizona, but Arizona is taking a lot fewer penalties than they had last year. They're closer to the middle of the league rather than at the top of the league where they were last year. So it's not even really a great power play spot for Chicago. One off Connor Bedard is always in play. Like if you want to go him plus Kershev for some power play correlation or whatever, I think that's fine. But Again, it's just one of those spots where there are, where there are other similarly priced lines that I would rather play than going to slam in over on Nick Foligno. Like, I'm just not doing it. Like, if Nick Foligno buries me tonight in DFS, I'll tip my cap and I'll just get you know get back on the horse tomorrow. Um, on the Arizona side, I think is where things get a little bit more interesting. I was mentioning to you before the show that Matias Michelli is shooting a lot more this year than he was last year. And that's something that's really, really important because he was kind of a one-trick pony. Like, he, he, I think he still scored, like, don't quote me, but I want to say, like, 13 goals or something like that last year. Like, not an awful total, um, but he did it shooting 18%. You can't rely on that year after year. Um, his shot attempts per minute have actually increased, like, 60% from last year to start this season. To the point where he's not shooting like a defenseman anymore. He's shooting like a, a borderline middle six winger. And when you factor that in with his playmaking, it makes for a pretty good offensive player. Um, so you got Michelli Bukestad and Kerfoot. They're coming in over own. The thing is, is like there's not really a super expensive spot. Like I guess if you're playing full Dallas one plus Miro Haskinen, maybe you need a 10K line or something like that. Um but other than that, that's basically the only situation I would play them. I really do like the Arizona top line here. Arizona's been using that top line sometimes in top line matchups, but not all the time. And once you get into, especially once you get into the second and third lines from the Chicago team, there's just nothing there defensively. Once you get into the first line of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um now, Chicago's actually been fine on the penalty kill this year, which is, you know, it's kind of a continuation from last year. They were fine on the penalty kill in this, you know, back third of the season. It's kind of continued this year. Um, but Arizona is drawing a lot of power play opportunities. They're at 4.3 power play opportunities per game. I think that's like sixth or in the league. Might even be higher. Um, so I do like the Arizona top line in this game. Even at 12% ownership, it doesn't bother me. They play all so many minutes together. Keller... Is still shooting the puck. Hayden's going to break through eventually. Like, I think it's just a little bit of bad puck luck on his side right now. So it's Arizona one I like best in this game. I don't really like anything from the Chicago side, but I understand why people want to play them. 
Yeah. I think, you know, Bedard one off is fine. He can create for himself. He doesn't need to rely on the ghost of Nick Felino to do it himself. Oh, let's go. Let's move on to your Habs here. Boy. The Montreal Canadiens with a 2.7 total heading into Las Vegas. The Golden Knights have a 3.8 total. Top line for Vegas, second highest projected line of the night at 13.2% projected ownership. Eichel, Marcia, so. Ivan Barbashev, third line for Vegas, getting a ton of ownership. They're like, I get it because they're under 10,000. If you're going to jam in these really expensive spots, you're going to need a little salary relief. (sighs) Montreal top line, 1.9% here. Any interest? Kind of. Kind of. Like, I think Vegas, like we've been talking about, I think Vegas is another one of those teams that's being a little bit overrated defensively. Um, what worries me is what Montreal did with their top line in their last game. I don't know if anybody's looking at their ship charts, but they started with Rafael Harvey Pinard. Second period, it was Joel Armia. In the third period, I think it was Josh Anderson. Like, they basically had a different winger in each period. So it's kind of like, I think Josh Anderson would be the guy that I think gets the most time with them in this game because he's on the power play with them as well. Like that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Like Caulfield and Suzuki are actually generating some volume, which is interesting. They're at 54 shot attempts for 60 minutes. Like that's not super high um, without Anderson on the line. I should say that's not super high, but it's a better than what they were doing last year. Um, Cole Caulfield top five in the league by shot attempts per minute. So he's shooting a lot. Nick Suzuki's individual expected goals per minute, 0.8 is a career high for him, at least so far. So while he's not shooting a ton, he's shooting enough, and they're actually not bad quality shots. So I don't really hate um, Montreal one here. Like Vegas's top line, 2.7 expected goals against per 60 minutes so far this year. Vegas second line, we've talked about it over and over, really bad. 3.1 expected goals against with Paul Cotter there. Just not been good defensively so far this season. Um, maybe now that Petrangelo is back, it'll kind of stabilize things. We'll see how that happens. I just, I don't have a lot of interest in Montreal, basically unless they're a sub 1% ownership. And I don't think that we're going to get that here tonight. So, you know, if you want a one-off Caulfield, I think one-off in Caulfield is almost always in play just because he does shoot so much that, you know, you can probably get like an assist and a shot bonus from him and it'll be good enough. Um, that's basically it that I like from the Montreal side, though. I do like the Vegas side here. I know they're going to come in um, highly owned, but this, like we were talking about earlier, this is one of the chalkier spots that I do like on the slate here tonight. Eichel Marsh, so, and Barbashev, 3.3 expected goals, 3.6 actual goals. I did write up our, um, Eichel in the picks article today, and what I noted is the amount of power play time he's getting. Like earlier when I said Jason Robertson's getting 75%, Jack Eichel's getting 73% of the Vegas power play time. So he, that top PP unit is definitively the top power play unit by a lot. And Montreal is the most penalized team in the league along with Anaheim. 5.1 power play opportunities given up per game. So I really, really do like Vegas one. I think Vegas two is in play. Um, Stevenson, Stone, and Cotter. Um but they haven't really been playing that well. Like the defensively is one thing, but they're not really gen- generating anything offensively either. Um, 1.3 expected goals. I think so far this season, like 
you you'll see bad fourth lines with better numbers with than that. Like I honestly have like, and it's not just a matter of like bad expected goals in a small sample. Forty one shot attempts per sixty minutes at five on five for that second line. That's really bad. I mean, I guess Montreal's the get right spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could really be a get right spot. But it is the Vegas top line I like most in this game by quite a bit. Yes, they're going to be high owned, but I think there are enough low owned spots other other you know in other spots on this slate. You can add Shea Theodore on the blue line. Do what you want. You can just one off Jack Eichel if you want. I think that's certainly in play. Marcheseau is not shooting as much as he was last year, at least not yet. So, Got to think that's going to come around eventually. But yeah, it's Vegas one for me in this game more than anything. Yeah, just to add on to Vegas one. Highest saves above expected in the NHL to start this season. Jake Allen, almost 10 goals saved above expected. He's not starting tonight. It is Sam Montembeau. So, yeah, really like Vegas tonight. Coming up after us, NBA Deeper Dive at 445 with Josh Engelman and Adam Schur. NBA Live Before Lock at 6 p.m. with Greg Ehrenberg and Dead Man Walking Eric Lindquist. Then we have NFL Showdown Live Before Lock at 715 with Lafayette and Neil. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, tune in. I'll probably be tuning into NBA Live Before Lock. I just, I need, you know. Done shows with both those guys. Eric's in big trouble tonight. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen and goalies here. Going back to uh, Noah Dobson, I know he's he. I think he's aptly priced tonight. He was six K. He was like forty percent owned. Let everyone down with a block shot in almost twenty six minutes of ice time. He's the second highest. Their second highest priced defenseman on the board is sixty six hundred. You have interest in Dobson? I mean, I do. As long as. Um... Scott Mayfield's not in the lineup and he won't be playing tonight. As long as Scott Mayfield's not playing, I do have interest um, in Dobson. I don't know what's going to happen with Mike Matheson for Montreal. Um, he was injured in the last game. He left. Caden Gooley ended up playing 25 minutes. That's why I wrote up Gooley in the picks article today. But Matheson's on the ice for morning skate. I just... The only tweets I've seen have been from one um, from one of the French beat writers, and he was saying they still don't know if he's playing tonight. Quick Party says he's on his regular pair in rushes with Kovacevic. Okay, all right, um, probably in that 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 would seem to indicate like he'll be in tonight. So it makes me less cool uh, on Gouli for the expensive guys. I mean, if Pittsburgh can't break through tonight. <laughs> If Pittsburgh can't break through tonight on the power play, it's going to be one of those like closed door meetings after the after the game type of nights, right? So I do like Eric Carlson. Like I said earlier, Anaheim, the most penalized team in the league alongside Montreal. So Eric Carlson makes sense. Shea Theodore. I'm surprised that the minutes Theodore is still playing, even though Petrangelo is back 23 and a half and, and then 25 and change or something like that in the last two games with Theodore in the or with Petrangelo in the lineup. So I still like Theodore. Charlie McAvoy is kind of interesting because, like I said, his peripherals are up. And I think he's trying to get involved a little bit more offensively. Like this, this screams like one of those games where he could put up a combo meal on DraftKings, both block and shot bonus. So I have a little interest in McAvoy, but I'm going to be honest. If I'm paying up that much, I'll probably just go to Carlson. Uh, Mid-price guys, it's actually the two sides in the Arizona game. It's Sean Dersey and Seth Jones. Like Seth Jones is under 5K now on DraftKings. Um, Arizona, 
not really that like they don't take a, a lot of penalties but their penalty kill isn't good at all um, all you need is just like kind of like one freak shot uh, and Seth Jones can get there obviously Miro Haskinen uh, for Dallas at home also like Gustav Forsling on the other side of that Boston game uh, for 4,400 for the cheap guys like Romanoff like for the Islanders, all their defensemen are in play, or at least their top four until Mayfield gets back. Romanoff still only thirty two hundred. Uh, Adam Larson, he's under four K, still play him. Neil Pionk is back is now under four K for Winnipeg. I don't really like him that much as a defenseman, um, but if he's under four K, like he'll always be of interest to me just because he does have shot and block uh, potential. Abel Mintukov is kind of interesting for Anaheim. Um, He's running the top power play unit. He's not that expensive. He's been shooting and blocking shots a little bit. I don't mind Mintukov here tonight. Uh, for the super cheap guys, Alex Vlasic uh, from Chicago, 2,800. Uh, Thomas Harley uh, from Dallas, 2,900. And Jalen Chatfield, as long as as long as long he's in the lineup, I think he's still going to end up playing tonight. He's been up to like 15 minutes um, with Pesci out, so it's at least something. Yeah. If you need, uh, a, if you need a mid-price guy. Yeah, don't have too much to add there. I don't actually. I don't have anything to add there. You, you hit all the names that I had circled. Let's talk a little bit about goalie. Oh, that's right. Should mention Alex Vlasic is out. Just got that oh, mentioned. Yeah, 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 he's out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Did you mention Travis Sanheim? He's still under five K, playing a boatload of minutes. No. Okay, Travis Sanheim, forty nine hundred on DraftKings. Let's talk a little bit about goalies here. Spend up options don't really tickle my fancy here. Jake Ottinger, I guess, is fine at 8,500 in cash games. He's fine in GPPs too, but you probably need a shutout there. Like, I don't have a ton of interest in Aiden Hill. Don't have a ton of interest in Yari. I guess Freddie's okay. But then you get down to the cheap guys, like, kind of interested in Soderblom at 7K, kind of interested in Jake or John Gibson at 7,100. Carter Hart against Carolina, 7,300 at home. I think that interests me in the mid range. Not too much interesting there. Do you have anyone else? Yeah, I mean, Carter Hart is kind of the guy that stood out. I did write up Linus Allmark in the picks article. I think 8K is the perfect price for him at home against Florida. Like one of those like 32 saves, two goals against with the win type performances or something like that. John Gibson is your ride the lightning pick of the night. Um, that feels like one of those either he's going to make 37 saves and a one goal against performance, or he's out of the game by the end of the first period. Uh, it's kind of what you're looking for in DFS, I think. So uh, all Mark Hart, uh, Sorokin and Gibson were the guys that I looked at. Why like is Connor Ingram, the starter in Arizona and Vimelka is just not getting, or is, or I'm just like losing my mind. Cause Connor Ingram is confirmed tonight. Yeah. I mean, I think, Ingram's kind of the guy they want to look at long-term. Like you always hear Vimelka on the, on the trade market, but I don't think it really matters that much. Yeah, no, I just, AK don't really want to play either of them, but yeah. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Um, I'm going to Anaheim tonight. I'm going with uh, the guy that's shooting more that I mentioned earlier. I'm going with Trevor Zegers. Very nice. Now I don't know because I had a guy in that game too. Let me just scroll, scroll, scroll. Scroll, 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 scroll. I mean, you could just take another guy from the same game. Okay, I'll, I'll just do that because now I'm confused. Uh, my guy from that game was Riley Smith. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully one of us gets it on either side. Or both. Or both. Yeah, yeah dueling yeah. hat-tricks. That'd be nice. You got a couple last year. I, I, I got shut out last year. But the year before, I had like three. 
Like, yeah, I had, I had two in a three games in a three night stretch, and then that was it. I think I hit like Junis Donskoy a few years ago. That was like my coup de gras. Yeah, that was like a that was that that was a Terabinen hat trick, like yeah. three goals in twelve minutes or something like that. Three goals on three shots in nine forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we will be back on Wednesday. Two games tomorrow on Halloween. Go eat some candy. Uh, and remember. Today only, click the link in the description. You'll get $8.60 off the first week of the weekly membership. So it'll be $10.35 for the first week. That's basically a little over a dollar a day. Get you ask, uh, it'll get you access to all of our premium stuff. Only way to do it. Click that link in the description below. Smash that like button on the way out. Good luck, everybody. Hopefully we're talking about you on Wednesday. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.